You're listening to COSAM Talks, the monthly podcast for Auburn University's College of Sciences and Mathematics. Today we are speaking with Ron Basser from the Department of Biological Sciences. He is the recipient of a National Science Foundation Award for more than $1.6 million. Welcome, Ron. Thanks, Maria. Before we talk about your research, we would love to know more about you. Can you share a little bit of information about yourself? Sure. I grew up in Southern California and did my undergraduate degree at Prescott College um, in Prescott, Arizona. I started doing ecology-related work while I was an undergrad, first um, in fire ecology, then with life history evolution with birds as a research tech at the University of Montana. I started working with fish for my PhD at the University of California, Riverside. I did a postdoc after that at UMass Amherst and then at the University of Oxford. Um, In 2017, I started as a faculty member at Williams College in Massachusetts, and I moved to Auburn in the fall of 2022. That's great. Now, can you tell us a little bit about what an evolutionary ecologist does? Well, evolutionary ecology as a scientific discipline is focused on understanding how interactions between and within species evolve. Evolutionary ecologists focus on questions such as why some organisms live short lives and have many offspring versus others that live long lives and have very few offspring. Other types of questions revolve around understanding how ecologically similar species um, can coexist and how they evolve in order to do so. The latter of these questions is actually really important because biological diversity is a defining feature of ecological communities. Thus, how evolutionary ecologists address these questions is quite varied. Some pack their bags, go to the field, and conduct experiments. Others design and execute focused experiments in the laboratory. Others still grab a pencil and paper and develop mathematical theory that can help guide the questions that the former individuals can test. I like to do all three. Oh, that sounds exciting. Now, did anyone or anything in particular spark your interest in science? Not particularly. Mostly, I'm a curious person who likes to know, one, how things work, and two, why they work the way they do. Even when I was young, I used to take my mom's appliances apart to see how they worked. That never went over so well when I was younger. As a teenager, I got into cars and took those apart and put them back together as well. Now I do the same with nature. Oh, that sounds good, and I hope that your mom's appliances were okay. (laughs) Not usually. (laughs) Now for your research, can you tell us a little bit about your $1.6 million grant from the National Science Foundation? Sure. This recent grant is really focused on testing theory about how species that compete for resources evolve to coexist. Um, The sort of traditional view of coexistence of two or more species competing for the same resources has been that they must differ in some degree in which resources they're actually using or where in the habitat they are using them. This is the only route to coexistence when the environment is constant. However, when the environment, we know that the environment is quite variable. We can see this from year to year and from season to season. So newer theory has predicted that the way in which different organisms respond to these fluctuations or this variation in the environment through time can also lead to coexistence, particularly when A bad year for one species is a good year for another and vice versa. What we're doing now is testing this hypothesis to see whether environmental fluctuations are becoming more or less important during the formation of new uh, communities 
um, on the island of uh, new fish communities on the island of Trinidad in the Caribbean. So can you tell us a little bit how you got started working with the Guppy Project? Well, I was working as a research tech at the University of Montana. I knew that I wanted to do my PhD in the field of life history evolution. I was working with birds at the time, but birds are incredibly difficult to do the types of experiments I wanted to do, which generally involved manipulating population sizes, moving individuals around within, within the populations, the broader populations. Guppies, on the other hand, were perfect for this. They live in small streams with a pool and riffle structure that allowed me to move fish around and at the same time keep track of thousands of individuals um, throughout their lives. The Guppy Project itself was, was started while I was a graduate student at the University of California in David Resnick's lab, and I was part of initiating the long-term mark recapture experiments in some experimental communities that we started um, in, in, in nature in Trinidad. Now, how do you balance your research with math modeling, artificial streams, and ecological systems? It sounds like an awful lot to be putting together in one research project. Yeah, indeed, it can be challenging at, at times to be able to do all three. Um, combining information from these different ways of doing science involves a lot of moving parts um, and coordinating oftentimes different people. Um, however, the, you know, my sense is the payoffs to this approach are also quite large. There, in reality, there are very few biological systems where we can go directly from the mathematical theory to sort of semi-natural controlled settings um, to experiments in nature. Um, and that's one of the things that I really enjoy about uh, this system. It's unique in that, in that way. So. Now, your research deals with genetic pedigrees of fish. Could you tell us a little bit more about how you build up a genetic pedigree of fish? Sure, yeah. Part of the work is um, in, in Trinidad is building a genetic pedigree. Um, and the way that we do this is, is that um, this includes first having a long-term mark recapture experiment where each month a team of young research scientists that are um, uh, working, that I work with from the grant, go out to four experimental commu fish communities that we have in Trinidad. They capture all the fish in the streams and bring them back to the lab in Trinidad. There the fish are measured for length and mass, given a unique colored elastomer implant so we can tell individuals apart from each other. And the first time each individual is caught, we take a scale sample. So we then do genetic analyses on these samples to determine genetic variants at 43 microsatellite locations. Now microsatellites are basically repetitive segments of DNA, and individuals have different numbers of repeats together, together creating fingerprints that can be used to identify individuals. It's very similar to the types of things that you might do with like 23andMe, um, where you're looking at your, your, or ancestry, where you're looking at your ancestry. Now, offspring on average inherit half of their genome from their mother and half from their father, and this creates a situation where we can match up these genetic markers of offspring to their parents. So we can identify um, for any individual in the population who their parents are. If you do this across enough individuals and through um, enough generations, you can create these pedigrees or family trees for the entire population. This then allows you to ask questions about <clears throat> which families are more correctly, which suites of genes are more represented in future generations than others, which is the signature of um, evolutionary change. Thank you. 
So it sounds like you have a really exciting career. I mean, you're able to do research in the field. You're able to do research in the lab. You do mathematical modeling work. What is your advice for someone who is interested in becoming an evolutionary ecologist? Could you share a little bit about what you kind of think that person, the path they should be on? That's a good question. <clears throat> There's really two things that I tell people. The first is go outside. The second is get involved <clears throat> in a lab at your college or university. Most evolutionary ecology is inspired by the observations we make about the world around us. You need to know about this world. It's, in other words, you need to know its natural history in order to be able to ask interesting questions, find systems that are appropriate to answer them in, and be comfortable talking about them with other people. Getting involved in a lab will give you the opportunity to get some experience in the science of the natural world. If you can explore different labs, then you should do so. You may think that you're interested in, in a certain question, but may find out that you're not after, after trying it and joining a lab. Conversely, try some labs, even though you may not think you're interested in the topic. You may actually surprise yourself in what you're interested in. Thank you so much, Ron, for sharing your research and your advice with us. And thank you for joining us for this episode of COSAM Talks. If you would like to read more about Ron's research, visit A-U-B period I-E forward slash B-A-S-S-A-R or search the hashtag COSAM Talks on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much, Ron. Thank you, Maria.